MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Today, the clown car that is the House GOP will vote for Speaker of the House. A January 6th committee report exposes Twitter's post-insurrection chaos. The January 6th committee releases a trove of underlying evidence, including texts and emails. The panel leaders fear the House GOP will leak names of national security personnel who testified to the 1-6 committee and a little bit of schadenfreude. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. Hello. Happy Tuesday. Hello. Happy Tuesday and uh, January 3rd, everyone. We've made it through three days of 2023. We're rocking this shit. (laughs) You've survived all three days of 2023. Yes, and today is the new first day of the new Congress, the Clown Car Congress that is taking over. Oh boy! Mm, yeah, should be. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I've got my popcorn ready. Should be a shit show. Uh, I do have a little bit of Schadenfreude at the top of the show for you. It's a little George Santos Schadenfreude, Dana. Oh, give it to me. Breaking news. I know you're like put it in my veins. So. Uh, you know how he was down in Brazil a while ago and he stole a checkbook and stole some stuff and committed fraud. Yeah, he like from his grandmother or something. Yeah, or a grandmother. So some elderly Could, person. Somebody, some elderly person. And uh, apparently they stopped going after those fraud charges because they didn't know where George Santos was. Well, now they know where he is. He's in Congress. So the Brazilian authorities are going to go forward with their prosecution of fraud charges against George Santos. That is amazing. (laughs) The only thing that would have made the story better is if Greta Thunberg had actually (laughs) taken him down because of a pizza box. I know. I almost said the congressman pizza boxes didn't have any comment, but uh, I did. I wasn't sure anybody would pick up on that. Yeah, he <laughs> totally fucked. He hosed himself by out like he was hiding from the Brazilian throat. Now he's they know where he is. They know where he works. <laughs> oh, my God. So they're going to prosecute him. And if he doesn't respond to the charges, they're going to prosecute him in absentia, which means they're going to try him without him being present. And if he's convicted, he could face up to five years in prison. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. The GOP that's- will still let him keep his seat, though. <laughs> but yeah, you know. and that's you know only if we extradite him to Brazil to face those charges. But uh, that could look political. I don't know. Pretty hairy, but still fucking hilarious. So I just wanted to share that little bit of Schadenfreude with everybody. Thank before, you. Before we kicked off the show, it's a long show today. We have a lot of news and a lot of in-depth news too. I didn't want to just skirt the top of these headlines. I really wanted to you know dive in and give you these full stories. So uh, buckle up. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from Andrew Feinberg at the Independent. Trent Crim, Independent. No, Andrew Feinberg, Independent. In the UK, the leaders of the House January 6th Select Committee investigation have asked the White House to help shield the identities of key witnesses who gave evidence regarding White House officials' fears that President Trump's desire to walk to the Capitol with a riotous mob of his supporters indicated his intention to mount a coup against the United States government. In a letter to Richard Sauber, 
Now, Richard is a White House attorney who serves as special counsel to President Joe Biden. Uh, Dana, they brought him in last May in anticipation of having to defend himself against GOP House investigations, bogus GOP House investigations. That's who Sauber is. And in a letter, the representative Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, you know, the chair and the vice chair of the one six committee noted that the committee had reached an agreement with the White House counsel's office to obtain testimony from certain White House personnel on the condition that the identities of any such witnesses would remain secret. Mr. Thompson and Ms. Cheney said those White House employees had provided very important information for the committee's investigation and have had their identities shielded, but warned that the dissolution of the select committee and the conclusion of the 117th Congress means the panel's former members will no longer exercise control over the material and thus cannot ensure enforcement of the commitment to maintain the confidentiality of the identity of the witnesses. And, you know, we've been trying to figure out, like, why would you release all of this evidence to the public if you didn't have to? And I I think it might be so that the, the 118th Congress couldn't fuck with these documents, you know, and like falsify them or change them or edit them or whatever. Quote, pursuant to longstanding House rules, the official records of the committee will be archived and pass into the control of the National Archives. This is what they said in the letter, adding that they share an unnamed official's concern for the safety, security, and reputations of these witnesses. And we know folks like Jim Jordan and Matt Gates like to out whistleblowers and witnesses oh, yeah. and endanger their lives. If the identities of witnesses who cooperated with this panel are leaked, it's highly likely they will be targeted for death threats and harassment by Trump and his allies in the same way other non-political government workers have been targeted after speaking out or acting in a way that put them at odds with Donald Trump. When then-Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, at the time active duty U.S. Army officer, detailed to the National Security Council at the White House, testified against Trump during the impeachment inquiry, the Defense Department made preparations to move him and his family to a secure location due to threats from Donald Trump supporters. And when documents relating to the FBI's 8th August search, that's uh, how the U.K. says the August 8th search, of Mr. Trump's home were made public in an unredacted form by Trump's right-wing media allies. Two of the agents, whose name appeared in the documents, immediately began receiving death threats. Trump's ex-White House communication director, Alyssa Farah Griffin, told the committee that the president knows that he's able to spur his followers to threaten the lives of anyone he chooses to target. He knows that. Quote, when he attacks me, I got death threats. Very specific, very violent, she said, adding later, he doesn't care and that the team around the ex-president knows his statements targeting individuals result in those kinds of things. The witnesses the committee is now seeking to protect from the same fate provided one of the most damning pieces of evidence revealed during the panel's public hearings last summer. At one such session, if you'll remember, the committee presented evidence and testimony garnered from at least one White House official who was interviewed on July 11 of last year and whose identity was protected because they're still employed at the White House in a role with sensitive national security responsibilities. Quote, We all knew what that implicated and what that meant, that this was no longer a rally, that this was going to move to something else if he physically walked to the Capitol. That's what the official said. I don't know if you want to use the word insurrection or coup or whatever. We all knew that this would move from a normal Democratic public event into something else, unquote. The committee also presented internal National Security Council chat logs, which indicated Trump's military aide, the uniformed officer who accompanies the president at all times and carries the football that enables him to authorize the release of nuclear weapons, confirmed his desire, Trump's desire to walk to the Capitol after speaking to supporters, as well as the fact that Trump's aides had been begging him to reconsider. 
I mean, there is a perfect opportunity for me to say that, of course, Trump was going to walk with the football because there's no way he would ever run with a football. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Now, a source familiar with the White House operations told The Independent that the fact that the anonymous White House official is still employed at the White House indicates that the witness is most likely a civil servant detailed to the White House from the State Department or U.S. intelligence community or an employee, civilian, uniformed or military of one of the units under the auspices of the White House military office, such as the White House Communications Agency or the White House Transportation Agency. So, very interesting, very scary. These two letters sent out by the committee to the DHS and to Sauber saying, hey, we know that a lot of current government employees uh, have testified to the January 6th committee. We want to keep them secret. We want to, you know, keep their names out of the mouths of Jim Jordan and Matt Gates, basically. And, and we're going to send all this to the National Archives. We'll see what happens. All right. And we're going to move to that big old fighting bag of rats. That's the new Congress. This is from Zenona and Fox at CNN. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy outlined some of the concessions that he has agreed to in his campaign for speaker on a Sunday evening conference call. And this included making it easier to topple the speaker, like fire him. And that's according to multiple GOP sources on the call. But McCarthy could not say whether he would have the votes for speakership, even after giving it some of the rights most hardline demands, giving in to those. Now, later Sunday evening, House Republicans unveiled their rules, their rules package for the 118th Congress, which formalizes some of the concessions that McCarthy had agreed to. The House adopts its rules package only after it selects a speaker, which McCarthy has not locked down yet, as we know, so there could be additional compromises made in the coming days. In a, quote, dear colleague letter from the California Republican, he made his case for the speakership and offered additional promises, including ensuring that the ideological groups are better represented on committees. Okay. Not long after Sunday's call, a group of nine hardliners who had outlined their demands to McCarthy last month put out a new letter saying some of the concessions he announced are insufficient and making clear they're still not sold on him though they did say progress is being made. Well, the group is still pushing to give a single lawmaker the power to call for vote toppling the speaker, and they also want a commitment that leadership won't play in primaries, among other things. Since McCarthy can only afford to lose four votes, four votes on the House floor, it means he still has a lot of work to do before today's vote. And now the California Republican had told his members in Sunday's call that after weeks of negotiations, He has agreed to a threshold as low as five people to trigger a vote on ousting him at any given time, known as, quote, the motion to vacate the speaker's chair and pitched it as a compromise. Well, CNN first reported that last week as he was supportive of that threshold, apparently. What a fucking douchebag. Yeah, I know. Like, hey, please make me speaker and only five of you have to decide to kick me out of it. Like, I mean, what an empty suit. Now, there's some moderates who fear the motion to vacate will be used as constant, you know, like blackmail over McCarthy's head. And they push back on this and they express their frustration during this call. It seems absurd. And a House rules package released late Sunday includes giving five Republicans the power to call for a vote on deposing the sitting speaker, restoring the ability to zero out a government official's salary giving lawmakers 72 hours to read a bill before it comes to the floor and creating a new select committee to investigate the weaponization of the Justice Department and the FBI. Mm. I wonder where that came from. Yeah, the rules package does not change the process for discharge petitions, which allows lawmakers to circumvent leadership and force a bill to the floor if it has the support of 218 lawmakers. 
Now, other notable items that might be of interest in this is the rules package prohibits remote hearings and markups, which is interesting. It does away with staffer unionization efforts and allows the Health Ethics Committee to take ethic complaints from the public. Oh, God. Seriously. Oh, what a shit show. Just. They're going to, I mean, good fucking luck getting anything done. Thank God we kept the Senate. Yeah. Could you and imagine? We're going to get 60 in the Senate, even if even if we did lose it. And and anything they try to pass, Biden's going to veto. It's not even going to pass the Senate. It's just going to be ridiculous. Um, and, you know, we're looking at some things that they could actually do to disrupt criminal investigations. It doesn't look like much, but they could be a giant pain in the ass. We'll have to see how it turns out. And an exclusive report from Adam Ronsley at Rolling Stone in the immediate aftermath of the attack on the Capitol, Twitter employees raged at their company's leadership, blaming them for social media giants' inept handling of Trump and other top MAGA figures' incitement to violence. Quote, do you want to have more blood on your hands? That's what one staffer asked the top executive, Del Harvey, when she questioned whether Trump could inspire more violence in the insurrection's aftermath. Yes, he could. The exchange, relayed by former Twitter employees to the January 6th committee, was included in a summary of investigative findings prepared by the committee staff and obtained by Rolling Stone. It's a 120-page document, and it contains insights about the role of social media in the insurrection, most of which were not included in the committee's final report. And it paints a picture of Twitter as a bumbling and gun-shy in its efforts to stop extremists from using the platform in the run-up to the insurrection. Twitter reportedly told the committee that it instituted the draft-coded incitement to violence policy only after rioters made it inside the Capitol. But former employees say the -the on-the-fly implementation was vague, confused, and ad hoc. The result of the delay, they argued, meant that members of the safety policy team were manually taking down violent tweets, including those uh, with the hashtag execute Mike Pence, just searching that in the Twitter search function. The draft also paints a picture of Twitter leadership that seemed to have little idea about the far-right figures on its platform. In an email excerpted in the draft summary, a Senate aide emailed a Twitter executive to express disbelief that the company was still allowing Ron Watkins, the administrator of the Internet's ground zero for the QAnon movement, to continue tweeting on January 6th. The unnamed Twitter executive emailed back with a question, who is Ron Watkins? Oh, good Lord. And even days after the insurrection, former Twitter employees told the committee that executives were still slow to recognize the risk Trump could pose in inciting future violence. After Trump tweeted that he would not attend Joe Biden's inauguration, safety team employees testified they saw, quote, the exact same rhetoric and the exact same language that had led up to January 6th popping underneath, like in replies. And that led to fears of another act of mass violence during the inauguration, as we remember. The draft relies in part on depositions of Annika Collier-Navaroli. This 120-page this report relies on a lot of her deposition. She's a former senior Twitter safety team official and an anonymous former Twitter employee referred to by the pseudonym Jay Johnson. Now, I think maybe he was the guy who testified, you know, with the anonymously during the 1-6 committee hearings. But both committee staff and former employees who gave depositions singled out former Twitter vice president for trust and safety, Del Harvey, as an obstacle to tougher enforcement against election-related extremism in the run-up to the insurrection. Harvey, according to the 120-page summary, personally obstructed the creation of a coded incitement to violence policy drafted by Twitter safety employees in the months, the months before the insurrection. Now, under Elon Musk, Twitter no longer has any mechanism for responding to press inquiries, so there was no comment. Former employees told the committee, 
that they were overwhelmed by the workload as tweets flooded in from the Capitol with enough specificity to tell which specific parts of the building had fallen to the mob. And as rioters streamed through the Capitol, at least one Senate aide pleaded with the company as they were attacking the Capitol. A Senate aide pled with Twitter to take their platform's responsibility in stopping the violence more seriously. Quote, I am telling you emphatically that you need to put out a statement about where your red line is and be prepared to draw it. Platforms are going to bear a lot of responsibility for helping facilitate this. I really hope you do more than watch today. Damn. Well, we know that didn't happen. My God. All right. The last one in this section, this is from Kyle Cheney at Politico. The January 6th Select Committee has unloaded a vast database of its underlying evidence. There's emails between Trump attorneys, text messages among horrified White House aides and outside advisors. There's internal communications among security and intelligence officials, all coming to grips with Donald Trump's last-ditch effort to subvert the 2020 election and its disastrous consequences. Well, the panel posted thousands of pages of evidence late Sunday in a public database that provide the clearest glimpse yet at the well-coordinated effort by some of Trump's allies to help him seize the second term he didn't win. Now, much of the evidence has never been seen before, and in some cases adds extraordinary new elements to the case that select committee presented to the public. From voluminous phone records to contemporaneous text messages and emails, well, the committee's evidence includes on January 22nd, 2021, There's a text exchange between Trump advisor Katrina Pearson and his longtime social media guru, Dan Scavino, in which Scavino makes clear no one told Trump to author the tweet. Scavino rejected the notion that advocates involved in, quote, stop the steal efforts had anything to do with Trump's decision to issue the tweet. And in what appears to be a nod to its authorship, Scavino wrote, and I quote, he does do his own tweets. Yeah. And that's the uh, will be wild tweet that they're referring to there. Right. Thank you. Now, Scavino was an elusive witness for the select committee and the House voted to hold him in contempt for refusing to cooperate. But the Justice Department declined to prosecute him. Well, two days after the January 6th attack, Trump advisor Steve Bannon told his spokeswoman that he didn't necessarily think the fight to prevent a Biden administration had ended. In an interview with Bannon's spokesperson, Alexandra Preet, the select committee's read from a text exchange Preet had with Bannon on January 8th. Okay, this is 2021. And this is a quote, we must turn up the heat. That's what Bannon wrote to Preet. Well, when Preet asked when Trump was leaving town ahead of Biden's inauguration, Bannon replied, he's not staying in the White House after the 20th. But who says we don't have 1 million people the next day? Well, then Bannon added, I'd surround the Capitol in total silence. Well, additionally, the committee posted never-seen-before Trump call logs. The January 2nd call log denotes Trump's hour-long call with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, in which Trump, as we know, famously urged him to find enough votes to flip the election results to Trump. While the logs put that call in context, immediately afterward, Trump had a Zoom meeting with attorney (laughs) attorney Rudy Giuliani, (laughs) a phone call with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and a 22-minute call with Bannon. Well, January 3rd, Trump's call logs reflect a flurry of contacts with top Justice Department officials as he contemplated elevating Jeffrey Clark to acting attorney general, a figure he viewed as sympathetic to his bid to stay in power. Trump spoke to Rep. Scott Perry that afternoon just before the call logs reflect Clark actually being elevated, however briefly to the top GOG post, but the move didn't hold. Now, a mass resignation threat, we talked about this, by DOJ leaders prompted Trump to back away from that plan. 
And this exchange between Senator Mike Lee of Utah and Trump lawyer Cleta Mitchell, this is really telling. This is a quote. January 6th is a dangerous idea. That's what Lee said in a message exchange with Mitchell that she provided to the select committee. Went on to say, not just for the republic itself, but also for the president. Lee lamented that no court or state authority had backed Trump's effort, so he didn't view Congress as an appropriate backstop. And this is what also he wrote. He said, I had somehow thought you, and I agreed that we'd need something like a judgment from a court of competent jurisdiction or a decision by a state legislature. That's what he wrote again to Mitchell. And she responded with, that was back when I believed he would get a day in court. Hmm. And Trump aide Hope Hicks texted with Ivanka Trump's chief of staff, Julie Radford, on the afternoon of January 6th, decrying Trump's actions and lamenting that their careers were likely doomed. And this is a quote, all of us that didn't have jobs lined up will be perpetually unemployed. I'm so mad and upset. This is from Hicks. She went on to say, we all look like domestic terrorists now. (laughs) Yep. And then she continued, not being dramatic, but looks like we are all fucked. Alyssa looks like a genius. Again, that was Hope Hicks. Now, Hicks' message was an apparent reference to Alyssa Farah, who was a former Trump White House aide who departed the administration weeks before January 6th, because she was a fucking genius. And General Charles Flynn, Mr. Chuck Flynn, told the January 6th Collect Committee that he doesn't share his brother Michael Flynn's extreme view about the use of, quote, martial law to seize voting machines or involve the military in Donald Trump's effort to maintain in power. And this is one more quote. Congresswoman, my brother's politics are his own, not mine. This is Flynn. That's what he said amid questioning by Liz Cheney. And as we know, she vice chaired that committee. So he was like, I want as much fucking air and daylight as possible between me and my brother. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Probably just shouldn't have been in the fucking room that day. You know, if your name is Flynn and you're related to Mike. hundred percent. Yeah, you were in the room where it happened, dude. You were in the room where it happened. (laughs) That's how you put more daylight between you and your fucking treason brother. Okay. You just step out of the room that day. (laughs) Uh, Something else that stood out to me, Dana, in this repository that may present a link between the January 6th probe and the Mar-a-Lago documents probe is something that Mark Milley told the committee. Check this fucking shit out. At the outset of his interview with the select committee, Milley said he had gone to extraordinary lengths to collect and protect a, quote, boatload of documents he said he anticipated would be relevant to future investigations. Quote, I knew the significance and I asked my staff, freeze all your records, collate them get them collected up. Later in the interview, he added another detail. After the documents were gathered, Milley said he classified it all at a pretty high level to ensure only appropriate people saw it. He said most of it could be unclassified and shared with lawmakers and staff. So wonder how much of that amazing wonder how much of that shit ended up at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, yeah. Because now, you know, we know that, that they were trucking like boxes and boxes of classified documents. Nunez was bringing over classified documents to Meadows to review and Meadows had a burn bag and was throwing shit in the fireplace. Like it's a fucking clusterfuck. It's going to be interesting to see if Jack Smith can sort this out. All right, we'll be right back after this quick break for the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG and I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to boost my energy and have better gut health. I take AG1 first thing in the morning, even before I make my first coffee, right before I go to the gym. It makes me feel like I'm ready to power through the day. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D 
one-year supply, plus five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Over the years, I've tried many different supplements out there, but this is different, and the ingredients are high quality. Uh, I found out about AG1 from a friend, and I had to try it. I noticed right away it helps my gut feel better. I've even noticed that my hair and skin feel and look great. Not to mention, it's such a great deal. It replaces most of my other supplements. I used to have a cabinet full. It was such an expensive endeavor to have all of the stuff in the cabinet and in the fridge and on top of the fridge, but it's only one scoop of powder mixed with water once daily. It's delicious. It covers all of my nutritional bases while supporting my gut health too. 75 quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods. Also, it saves time. AG1 makes it so much easier to take the highest quality supplements, period, with just one scoop in the morning. It's delicious. AG1 is an easy habit and it pays off big. So if you're looking for a simpler and very cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, pod pet pics, uh, anything you want to send to us, especially baby photos, frog orgy photos, um, you know, whatever, whatever we're into, <laughs> you could send it to us <laughs> at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And seriously, I would love to see your holiday photos, letters to Santa, anything fun, whoopee stories, whatever you've got, send it to us. First up, from Jennifred, pronouns she and her. Thank you for being part of my daily podcastage. My hubby is not a podcast guy, but he's gotten some great laughs from you guys. It's It was a rough year in our house. We had nearly six months of recurring illness brought home by my kindergarten-aged grandsons, including COVID, twice. The second round put my elderly mother-in-law in the hospital with pneumonia. Oh my God. My biggest wish this year was for the family to be reasonably healthy for Christmas, and we did it. And this includes me having to get called back for a second mammogram after they found something concerning in the first one. I am in the clear. There was just some tissue that got doubled up in the first imaging. So despite it all, I have a lot to be grateful for. I also signed up to be a patron. Well, thank you, Jennifer. My pet tax is Mayhem Louise on my lap, helping me spin wool into yarn. Mayhem oh Louise. God, that's is the amazing. Look at her little patoot. So oh my cute. God. She Look at the beans. So soft and the toe, the toe beans. beans. Thank you for that, Jennifer. Indeed. All right. This is from Nancy. Pronounce she and her. Love you guys. You've become part of my morning routine, coffee, and daily beans. Missed you over the holidays, but I'm glad you got rested up. Here's the best picture of my kitty, Batgirl. She's very judgy, as you see in the picture. So I'm thinking of changing her name to RBG, Round Batgirl. <laughs> She's also pretty chonky. Keep up the good work. Here's hoping this year we lock them up. Uh, indeed look at I, that ooh. fucking cat it's gorgeous I it. but i would not want to mess with that cat she gonna kill me right she is judgy and chonky i do i love rbg i love roundback girl that's a great name nancy thank you for sharing uh-oh we got some frogs next up from lisa pronoun she and her hello lovely ladies i discovered your podcast about a year ago and now it's the only one i listen to as soon as it comes out i've attached a photo of lola Back when I was young and single, I had a frog-themed bathroom because I've always loved frogs. And why not, Lisa? I love frogs, too. Frogs and chickens. 
Anyways, Lola was very prominently displayed, and I'd get a kick out of people's reactions to her. I can assure you she was ready for any frog orgy she was invited to. (laughs) I wish you both, I hope you had both happy holidays and a restful, much-needed break. Okay. Oh my God, I know. There's a frog in a bikini for you. We're really kicking off this year right. Yes. And look, I love the I love that there's a little gingerbread house in the background too. And that's where so she good. hangs out. So, so good. All right. This is from Anonymous Pronouns She and Her. I'm a longtime listener here and I love your show. So thanks a million for being my connection to reality for the past five years. I often wish I could ask friends and family who put Trump before me if it was worth it. Hmm. That's a good question. My question for you and MSW team. What are you doing to make sure that all future elected leaders are required to share their tax information? Speaking of tax, here's my pet tax. Chloe, who's the tabby, Angel, Siamese, and Kids in Costumes is our version of Audrey Hepburn and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Happy holidays to all your listeners, and I hope you and team enjoy the well-deserved time off. Uh, Before we get to the pictures, Anonymous, um, well, first of all, you know, in this this latest package that that they just passed, this budget package, um, you know, they are talking about some provisions that require IRS to bolster the IRS auditing program. And I think they might hand that off to the Senate to work on it a little bit more after the dissolution of this Congress. So we have to make sure that the presidential and vice presidential tax audit program is working. Currently, um, the thing is, is any putting any additional burden on a person to run for president is really difficult because the Constitution is very clear uh, that there are only three requirements to become president. And, and if you meet those three requirements, you can run for president. You can be a felon and run for president. You can be currently under criminal investigation and run for president. There are some folks who even believe, and I happen to be in this bunch of folks, that if you um, are convicted of, of, I think it's 18, Title 18 U.S. Code 1973 or 1793, basically mishandling classified information, something that Trump made a felony. There's a, a provision in one of those or, or mishandling classified documents that means that you are barred from running from office in the future. But I think that if that actually went in front of the courts and was litigated, it would be found to be unconstitutional. Uh, they were trying to pull that on Hillary when she was investigated for, you know, midterm exam uh, for her uh, having a couple of classified documents in her email. Right. There were a lot of people who were saying, oh, convict her of this because then she, she'll be barred from running for office. And, and most legal experts were like, yeah, that's not really going to probably happen, even though it's in the statute. That statute has never been litigated for its constitutionality. So it's going to be really tough to force anybody to release their tax returns to run for president, unfortunately. But I think that if we bolster the presidential tax audit program, which failed miserably under Trump, Maybe that might do something, but the law was already there, and Trump's lackey, who he put in as IRS commissioner, Reddick, Charles Reddick, who made hundreds of thousands of dollars off Trump properties, Trump-branded properties, still refused to audit the taxes. I don't know why he's not under criminal investigation for flirt, you know, for skirting that law, but anyway, look at these pictures. I know. Okay, the breakfast at Tiffany's is beautiful. So good. That tiara. I know. And that is an Audrey Hepburn dress for sure. And look at the pearl bracelets. Perfect. Perfect in every way. All right. Next up from Angela G. Here is a frog butt for Angela O's daughter. Oh, I gotcha. And Dana, the dog with two different colored eyes is heterochromia, which means different color. 
And is anyone surprised that I can't remember a word that begins in hetero? hetero. I'm just wondering. (laughs) Because most of us have homochromia eyes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One of the last good news sections before the break had a husky with two different colored eyes. All right. Some frogs have butt cheeks. I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time looking at this picture. (laughs) That is a grandma butt right there, too. Oh, that's so great. Here's or a, a grandpa butt, butt. For Angela O's daughter. Thank you for sending that in. We had a somebody write in and say they don't believe frogs had butts. And then and oh then they found a, the frogs had butts and they were very excited about it. So she's adding yeah. to the adding to the excitement. There you have it. All right. This is from Janelle, pronoun she and her. Happy New Year, Beans Queens. I've been fostering a beautiful cat through a home for the holidays program. As a public school employee, the timing was perfect. Well, uh-huh. his name is Flash. He's a very good boy. He's neutered, playful, very affectionate once he gets to know you. He's lived with cats and small children, and fortunately, I can't adopt him. I've realized I'm a bit allergic, and he hates my ridiculous shih tzu, Ollie. (laughs) Attached, new pet tax, is Flash. Any listeners in the greater Reading, Pennsylvania area, he's available at the Animal Rescue League of Berks County. Please consider giving his beautiful boy a forever Oh, Oh, he he is a sweet baby. He is very beautiful and definitely has a man cat face. Yeah. A a gray and white tabby. He's just so cute. Thank you for sending that. I love your leggings too. The pink with the leopard print. Totally. Kill it. Thank you for that so much, so much. It's the uh, Animal Rescue League of Berks County in Reading, Pennsylvania. Baby, baby kitty available for adoption. Janelle, thank you for that. Everybody, thank you for sending in your stuff. I got some frogs today. I'm very excited. There was a frog butt and a frog in a bikini. <laughs> no babies. So two for AG, zero for Dana today. So send in your baby pics tomorrow so Dana can catch up. I need three baby pics to make up for the frog butt. It's going to be more than one baby pic to make up for the frog butt. Yeah. I gotcha. That that seems fair to me. Yeah, Dana, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I don't. Sign us off, my friend. All right, I will. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And please take someone with you. Especially in April, April 3rd, Wisconsin. They're yes. doing a judge thing. They're voting for judges. And if we can get a Democratic majority or a liberal majority on that court, we can finally fucking put a normal commission in there to ungerrymander Wisconsin. So everybody, get ready. April 3rd, bring somebody with you, especially in Wisconsin. And actually only in Wisconsin, because if you don't live there, it's probably illegal for you to vote in Wisconsin. <laughs> Well, that went right off the rails. Yep. <laughs> it sure did. Uh, take someone with you. Uh, I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.